The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Thank you, guys. Thank you for coming. To piggyback what off of what uh, Bernie said about streaming, and it's, it's and it's sports as well. I jumped on Twitter this morning, and the top like twelve or fifteen things trending in the U.S. were all sports related because of the All Star Game last night. Um, and then you get in the football season, it's it's nonstop. And these four are huge on social media, so they're perfect people to host host this show. Devin, Mike, Seth, Derek Gunn. Um, Devin, you know her from you know sidelines, radio, TV. She does a little bit of everything. Uh, Mike's been a huge radio personality in this town uh, for years. Uh, Seth, you know, what can you say, an Eagles Hall of Famer, um, and who, who has some strong opinions. You've seen one post game show, like, uh, you feel like he's going to jump through your television. And then Derek, uh, nothing happens inside the Eagles Nova here facility that this man doesn't know. He may not tell us everything, but he's definitely plugged in. Um, so we'll just start, we'll make this really uh, informal and conversational. And then we'll just start talking about the Eagles because this year, I know we say this every year, but there's huge expectations for this year. So I'll start with you, Devin. Um, they're going to win the Super Bowl, right? <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Uh, no, yeah, I think Philadelphia fans like to, I don't want to say get ahead of ourselves, but, uh, you know, we had a really impressive offseason, impressive draft. Uh, it was slow at first, then I think. The draft kind of picked up, made me a little bit more optimistic. For a while, I think the only signing they made was like Howie Roseman resigned himself for, for three years. So, uh, yeah, no, it's exciting. I, don't, I am not, I am hopefully optimistic, uh, but I'm not one of those Super Bowl or bust fans. All right. Uh, Seth, I know going into the draft, you felt like the offense was ahead of the defense. Um, Jordan Davis, Nicobe Dean, uh, they get Bradbury at a opposite, um, Jerry Slay at cornerback. Mm-hmm. Are you okay with the defense as it is right now? I'm okay with the upgrade in talent. Um, I'm yet to – I'm still waiting to see who and what Jonathan Gannon really is. You know, the excuse last year was that, oh, you know, he didn't have the players kind of run his defense the way he really wanted to run it. Um, that excuse won't be present this year with the upgrades that Howie made on the defensive side of the football. Um so I'll be looking for a much more aggressive style of defense to complement, you know, whatever it is that they adjust to and move to on the offensive side. Um, and, and I think they have they have more than enough talent. I think the competition that you're going to see at the linebacker position is going to be epic. I think it's going to be the same way on the on the offensive side of the ball, wide receiver. It's going to be epic because you know with that many linebackers and that many wide receivers you know, the cream will have to rise to the top in order for you to get the best players and players who really want playing time will step up. Um, but I don't think it's going to be a matter of the players on the defensive side of the ball as it will be Jonathan Gannon. Wow. Because I believe that, you know, and I, I, it's not just a belief. I know it to be fact because I've lived it. Um, your defensive coordinator, his personality will be assumed by every player on that, on that defensive side of the ball. So if he continues to be passive, then those players are going to play passively. The minute that he decides that he wants to be a little more aggressive, 
now their mindset begins to shift and they'll play the game in a much more aggressive you know posture um so in my opinion it, it all starts and ends with him like uh i i think seth has revealed to like as the, as the guy who's going to be running this kind of the show yeah. like uh i listen to seth and i know the dynamic he has with Jonathan Gannon. I know he's just waiting to hang. So is anybody so, here that's going to defend Jonathan Gannon? So this is great. The great part about me is that I don't have to do a lot. If he has a bad day, I, I just turn to Seth and go, uh, your thoughts on Jonathan Gannon? Bam! We got a half hour. But he, I, he's right. They've upgraded the talent. And uh, I, I listened to him last year. I know he wasn't that enamored with the way Gannon ran it. And uh, he thought he should be uh, a lot more aggressive. And I think maybe the guy, it will give him some credit that he's, he's, if he's got better personnel, he can afford to be more aggressive. So I, I agree. I think uh, they've done a good job filling some obvious holes on defense. And then uh, you know, I'll just counter you by saying, like, to me, the whole thing revolves around whether Jalen Hurts is going to be a top flight pro quarterback. And uh, they've increased the talent there. So I'm more optimistic that's going to happen. Sis would be informal. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, because I know, I know, I realize where I sit. I've heard the rhetoric and I know the criticism, you know, but Jalen Hurts can't win anything by himself, okay? If they don't run the football and they don't play balance, and I agree, he's got to step his game up. I believe in order for him to prove that he's the franchise quarterback, that, you know, on a consistent basis, he's going to have to put the ball in the air 30 to 35 times per game. Now, a lot of people would say that's too much, but I'm saying this is the year that he has to prove that he can push the ball down the field. Now, in order for him to do that, they're going to have to be balanced on the offensive side of the ball. You can't line up and just have him throw it, you know, three series in a row every single play. you got to be balanced. But on the defensive side of the ball, you know, they were awful the first nine games last year. You know, I think Jonathan Gannon came to prominence in the second half of the season when the Eagles played the Sisters of the Poor. If you look at the, the schedule at the end of at the end of the season last year, they played the Jets, the Panthers, the Washington football team twice, the Giants twice. Um, they beat the Broncos. Come on. I mean, they, they weren't playing juggernauts at the end of the season. So all of a sudden, the defense looked like it was coming with age and all of this talk about Jonathan Gannon being a head coach. And, you know, but what people fail to realize is our hate, most hated rival you know, we gave up 93 freaking points against the Dallas Cowgirls last year in two games. Okay, that's just a start. Not talking about all the playoff-level teams that we lost to in the first half of the season last year. And you can't, you can't ascribe those kinds of losses to Jalen Hurts all by themselves because if they're putting 40-something points on the game, uh, on, on the scoreboard, the Eagles don't have a chance to win because they're not built to, to put points up that way. All right, D-Gun, how much pressure is on Jalen Hurts? First, about the defense level. first of all, you have to take into consideration how much pressure is on the shoulders of a 24-year-old young man. Think about when you were 24 years old. Did you handle the kind of pressure he's about to endure? He's heard all the criticisms this offseason. Uh, whether he says he doesn't listen to the media or not, I'll say from, from, from every time I talk to players and they tell you they don't listen to the criticism, that's a lie. Whether they listen to it directly or not, they have a circle of people that will inform them on a regular basis. 
I think uh, Jalen Hurts is far beyond his years in terms of maturity and poise, dedication. You will not outwork him. Will that translate into a much better level of quarterback? That remains to be seen. You know, that part of it is on him. Um, I'm hoping, and I've been on record saying, I hope he goes out and shocks the world and proves a lot of people wrong and earns himself a $600 million contract. You know, but he has to go out there and do it, you know. He's been given the tools to do it now. He is arguably the best offensive line in the game in front of him. He has a trio of good young running backs. He has an upgrade in the wide receiving core now. No one player wins the game by himself, but he doesn't have to win the game. If he, there's a lot of quarterbacks who have won a lot of games in this league historically by managing the game. There are quarterbacks who have managed the game well and won Super Bowls. You know, it, go, it falls under the umbrella. A lot of times a quarterback gets too many accolades for success and too much criticism for failure. If he can manage the game better than he did, and if he can show improvement on the things that have been called out about him, then, then Jalen Hurts is going to be up fine. The outside noise won't bother him one iota. He's that focused. You hear from people, he's the first guy in, last guy out, what's hard, no one's going to outwork him. Absolutely. I had a, um, someone close to the NFL tell me that at every point in the game, you're going to have to have a quarterback that's going to have to stand in the pocket and make a mm -hmm. third and 15 throw. It's going to happen probably three, four, five mm -hmm. times a game. And they're not confident that he can do that. Does he need to do that to get to the next level? I, I, think, I think he needs to become more of a pocket presence. Um, don't become like that rabbit being flushed out of the bush too soon. You know, stay in there a little bit longer to see if one of your receivers can free themselves up. Uh, and these are all things that Nick Sirianni and, and, and Steichen have been working with him on leading up to what's to come. We won't see what Jalen Hurts is or isn't in training camp or preseason because most teams now don't even play their regulars. And I would assume Sirianni is only going to play them limited amount of times. So we won't know and, and truly get a, a, a true evaluation of Jay, uh, how much he's improved or you know, where he is until the bullets start flying for real in the regular season. Let's talk about the head coach. I'll start with you. How much pressure is on Nick Sirianni, do you think? Definitely not as much uh, as, uh, as is on Jalen Hurts. Um, but I think you know Nick Sirianni was in his rookie year of head coaching last season. I think it's pretty impressive considering – Going into last season, the Eagles did not know their identity. We didn't know their identity as a team. It almost felt like they were kind of a brand new team under Nick Sirianni. It seems like he has the locker room, um, which gives me hope. And I love the guy's energy. You know, I buy into the pandering. So <laughs> the I, I don't know if he'll bring out the flowers and the fertilizer and the t-shirts like, with, with Allen Iverson's face on them. But uh, I think as long as the Eagles are winning, that will go over well with fans. So I'm excited to see where he can go this season. I would say definitely more pressures on Jalen Hurts. But, you know, there's never no pressure on the head coach. The wide receiver position. That was clearly upgraded, you know, getting A.J. Brown from the Tennessee Titans. How much will that help make things easier for Jalen Hurts? I, I think it has to. I mean, to have a guy like A.J., they, they needed uh, a guy who is visible, who defenses will game plan for. And, and I think that's what he is. And I think that makes everybody else uh, better. They, they needed that presence. They needed another wide receiver. They needed a guy with that kind of impact. So I, I give Howie a, a lot of credit for, for grabbing him. I think they needed a veteran presence because they had a lot of young players at that one position and there was really no one to pass along any knowledge or to mentor that position. Um, 
there's no doubt that A.J. Brown makes him a better football team. Um, he'll make Jalen Hurts a better quarterback, um, no doubt about it. Um, but I think the competition at that position, because there's so many guys, um, you know, I think John Hightower knows that his he's on the chopping block. You got Quez Watkins, you got Greg Ward, who just, you know, year after year figures out a way to stay on the team. Um, you know, you, you sign Pascal and um, this kid, I'm trying to remember his name. Rager? No. Okay. Was he going like, to get seventh on your list? No, I mean, listen, I, they might as well just go ahead and give him a warm cheesesteak, put him on the bus now. It's <laughs> <laughs> done. Um, but, you know, I, I think that. I, I, I don't know, man. I, I'm, I'm kind of conflicted when it comes to, you know, Jalen because I want him to do well. And I hear the rhetoric. I hear people, what people say. I'm, I'm not one to, to lean one way or the other on him because as an eighth-round draft pick, I know what it feels like to have the world doubt you and no one really believe in you. You know, so I had to believe in myself long enough for me to have the ability and the opportunity to prove to everybody else what I could be. Okay, so when it comes to a guy like Jalen Hurst, when I hear the detractors talk about arm strength and the fact that do you know that the year that he came out in the draft, the only other player, only other quarterback in the draft who had a strong arm to him was, was um, Justin Herbert? The only one. The only one. That's a fact. So this whole theory that he's got a noodle arm and he can't throw the ball, he has no arm strength, is complete BS. Mm -hmm. You know, I can show you plays from last year of throws that he made, you know, with a strong arm. Jalen Hurts' problem is, and this is a problem for all young quarterbacks coming into the NFL. If you don't come from a system that really teaches you the un and understand how offensive rhythm goes, he has to throw the ball on time and he has to throw the ball on rhythm. That's trust. When you're playing in college, you run the ball so effectively that when you go play action pass, you can pick whoever you want to throw the ball to because everybody's wide open because you run it so effectively. In the NFL, it's everything is rhythm. If, if it's three-step, by the time he hits his back foot, that ball better be out of his hand. Same with five, same with seven. When that wide receiver, is, if he's got a 10-yard out route, when his foot stems at nine, you better let it go because the coverage is, 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 is going to be on him. Even if you got him beat, he, these guys got makeup speed. So in my opinion, if he learns how to throw the ball on rhythm and he learns how to throw the ball on time and he learns how to trust, you know, the routes and the guys that, that he's playing with, his completion percentage is going to go up. His accuracy is going to be better, okay? And they're going to feel, we're all going to feel much better about him as a player. because And these are intangibles that hurt a lot of young quarterbacks that come into the league. You know, are you going to let that ball go when your wide receiver still got his back to you? That's trust. Tom Brady does it. Aaron Rodgers does it. All the top, you know, quarterbacks get that rapport with, with their wide receivers where – when they got to let that ball go, they let it go truly believing that that guy's going to turn around and catch that ball and that they're getting it out on time and on, and, and on rhythm. Plain and simple, Jalen Hurst has to see it and be it. It's about the line. When you're talking about Rager, and I'll, I'll even throw in J.J. Uh, Ortega-Whiteside, you know, when people want to argue with me about what Rager's going to make this roster because he's a recent first-round draft pick, my response has been, if there was ever a time that Howie Roseman could get out from under Jalen Rager and Whiteside, and I'm not and I'm not here bashing them, 
But if there was ever a time a GM could get out from under two recent first and second round picks that have not really panned out, <clears throat> it's this year because there's so much onus and excitement on A.J. Brown being here, Hassan Reddick, you know, Kazir White, you know, James Bradbury. So I think people might even applaud, stand up and applaud if, if he deleted them from the equation this year. And I'm hoping both of those guys come out and shock the world and, and make it difficult for the Eagles to make a decision on who to keep and who to let go. But if, excuse me, why are you laughing? That's all right. You, you know, <laughs> allergies? This is what we're going to be doing all yeah, the time. This is what we're going to on the show, right? See, be, see, people think this is like all, you know, this is a family affair. Well, this will be some knockdown drag out this year. And I look forward to Strong this opinions? And this well, here's the thing. Rager will then go to the Raiders, catch a touchdown yeah. pass, and social yeah. media will yeah. rip the Eagles. See, the Eagles yeah. will yeah. yeah. shoot. That'll happen in the go. first couple yeah. of weeks. Exactly. So... <laughs> Um, uh, Seth men mentioned um, leadership on this team, um, about A.J. Brown and mm -hmm. leadership. Is that something you think that might have been lacking last year? Oh, without a doubt. I mean, you, when you watch this football team, you know, the last two years, you know, you're hard-pressed to, like, think about who the leaders are. Well, we know that Jason Kelsey is the leader. Jason, yeah. You know, Lane Johnson, when he's healthy, he can be, you know, a quiet leader. He's not going to say much, but he's going to go out and just play and lead by example. Tell me on the defensive side of the ball, who's your leader? BG? I mean, I, listen, I love Brandon Graham. Great leader. But if you, ain't, if you ain't well, you can't lead from the sideline. And that's what the situation was last year. And on the defensive side of the ball, the Eagles haven't had leaders on that side of the ball. I'm talking about strong leaders. You know, they haven't had leaders on that side of the ball since – they let Malcolm Jenkins and Chris Long get away, okay? They're just not there. And you can't – when you got young players, you got to have, you know, some older veterans around to kind of show them how to be a pro. Um, so I think N'Kobe Dean is a natural-born leader. You know, once he figures out how to play at this level – Can he do that as a rookie, you know, at that well, age? Well, listen, if, if he – look, look, look at Michael Parsons. Yeah. You know, Michael Parsons stepped into his role last year and, you know, he changed the entire complexion of that defense just based upon his level of play. And the veterans were looking around and like, well, this young guy, this young guy's in here tearing it up. We need to up our, we need to up the ante. So that's kind of how it works, you know, but when you look at the rest of this defense, it's like. Fletcher Cox? Fletcher's. Mike, here we go. So, <laughs> this is what I did. So, I don't believe that a guy who once stated, you know, um, after you know, he's got paid $100 million for five years, that says that he likes football, he doesn't love football, I don't think that guy could ever be a leader. Because if you don't bleed it, if you don't sleep it, drink it, eat it, if it's not a part of your being um, in every way, shape, fashion, or form, then it's hard for guys to follow and there have been times, you know, I've been extremely critical of Fletcher. When Fletcher wants to play, he can be one of the most dominant players in the league. The problem is he picks and chooses when he wants to play. That guy can't be a leader. When it's fourth and two, fourth and one on your goal line, okay, and the best player on your defense is standing on the sideline sipping some damn Gatorade, you got a problem. You got a problem. Now, I don't, if you gas, you gas. I get it, okay? But when I was playing, my tongue – would be on the ground. And in crucial situations, if I'm if I'm if I look at myself as the guy, I'm not coming out. Even if you send a guy in, 
I'm going to wave him off. You don't have to call time out to get me out the damn game. Okay, so when you talk about Fletcher and you talk about leadership, Mike, you know, he doesn't exhibit leadership quality. I just, I just mentioned his name. That's his name. <laughs> yeah, I, I, knew, I, I knew what you were doing, but I, 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 took, I took the bait. You got me. <laughs> no, no, but, but in terms of leadership quality, is that something that can be taught or it's just innate? You just either have it or you don't have it. Well, there's only two type of leaders. You know, you, you got a vocal leader and you got, you know, the guy that leads by example. The vocal leader has to be a guy that's leading by example and he's got, you know, vocal qualities. Um, the quiet leader, the guy is just dominant. And because he's dominant, you know, everybody else is looking at his, looking at how he's playing and they aspire, they're going to follow that, you know. Now, and, and you know, you got to be careful with guys who try to be leaders because there's a lot of guys that, do a lot of lip service, and then they're getting drugged through the mud every Sunday. And then what does it do? It creates these factions on your on your defense because that guy is running off at the mouth while he's you know getting drugged through the mud, and you got two groups over here that are like, man, he need to shut up, man. Mm -hmm. We we watching we watching the same film, <laughs> and he getting beat like a war drum, you know. And that's that's how that's how leadership can, can become fractured. In order for leaders, leaders to lead, they have to be producers because nobody's going to follow a guy that's not producing. How many games does this team win? <clears throat> yeah, better yet, is this a playoff team? Oh, absolutely. On paper, yes. No, they're playoff. I got 10. I was going to say nine. I, I, Ooh, I, we have nine? I have set up multiple platforms based on their schedule. They should win 11 games. 11. What's, also, what's the over/under number in Vegas? Do we know that? We, I think it's, I thought it was nine and a half. Nine and a half. Nine and a half? Yeah. But I will say this: How many times do we see teams go undefeated in the preseason, end up at the bottom of the barrel right. in the regular season, and vice versa? The team gets blown out all preseason and wins the division. So you don't really know. I think health is a big factor. With, always with yeah. any team, yeah. you know. And we've gone through the gamut in recent years of watching this team decimated by injuries, especially along the offensive line, which cost them in a lot of situations. They were able to overcome that last year. Can they? Can they do it again this year? Oh, are they I better? Are they better than the Washington football team right now? I think so. Are they um, better than the Giants? Yes. But, uh, what? Yes. <laughs> better than the Giants. Are they better than that? I think we sitting up here better than the Giants. <laughs> are they better than the Cowboys? <laughs> better than the Cowboys? That's debatable. Cowboys lost a lot of personnel in the off season, um, but I still give the edge of, to Dak Prescott. I know Cowboy fans don't want to hear that, just based on experience alone. Okay. So Dallas has a quarterback who's a proven regular season quarterback that can't win in the playoffs. Here you have a quarterback that's still evolving. Okay. But in terms of matching person for person, I think from offensive line to DBs to linebackers, I think this team matches up very well with the, with the Cowboys. Now, I do believe they're better than Washington, but I've said this about Washington. Carson Wentz is on a hot seat right now. You know, he's had two organizations in a span of, of, of 12 months give up on him. The Indianapolis Colts, which I've never heard of, the owner came out and blasted him. Right. Normally, you don't do that. So he has to look in the mirror. And he, this could be his last chance to be a starter in the National Football League. Now, they went out and got a receiver. They've got a good core of receivers. They've got two good running backs. Their front, their front defensive front is a monster when they're healthy. And Chase Young is back as well. So we, we sit here, we say it's a two-horse race between the Eagles and the Cowboys, and I will add, don't count out Washington being a disruptive factor. I'm not saying they're going to win a division, 
But I think if they have the talent, they cause a lot of problems. I mean, apparently, Carson Wentz has turned into a better teammate miraculously. Today. <laughs> Since the, the, the travel from Indianapolis to D.C. Yeah. made him a better teammate. Different really state. Yeah. I, know, I know we're trying to wrap this, huh? this press conference up, so I'm going to leave the whole Carson Wentz. We are? This, this are whole we wrapping this up? I'm going to leave the Carson Wentz thing alone for that. I don't even want to get up on that pedestal. You never held um, your opinion before? Should I ask that you, you ask you ask the question about is this a playoff team? I will tell you this: the Eagles. I know this for a fact. The Eagles have one of the easiest schedules mm-hmm. right. in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Okay, they prove in the second half of the season what they could do versus an easy schedule. You know, I think if they don't win 11, 12 games, you know, there's a problem. You know, they got to figure out a way if they're going to win a division. They're going to have to figure out a way to split with Dallas. In my opinion, at least split with Dallas. In my opinion, um, the thing that worries me about their schedule, though, is you know how how it plays into you know playoff experience. Because in order for you to beat good playoff teams in the playoffs, you got to experience what that's like during the season. So they that didn't go too well for them last no. year. They got that same playoff team that they had on a Thursday night. In the first round, and they got you know same same situation, same outcome. Okay, so now you got all of these cream puffs, you know, on in a in a nineteen seventeen game schedule, and then you get to the playoffs having not played most of the playoff level teams, and even if you get to the playoffs, now you got that expectation of having to play against the best of the best without consistently having you know gone through it throughout the season. So that that for me. That's the problematic part. I think that they're gonna. I think they're gonna do well throughout the regular season. You know where the rubber meets the road is. You know when you get into the playoffs and you start playing against you know the top three, four teams that are in your division, in your conference, I should say, and how you fare against them opposed to you know teams that you know that you can beat. So when they finish eleven and six and we're all going crazy like Super Bowl team, and they let us down, it's gonna be the same old story. Again. Or hope not. Nah, we'll see. We'll see who they get. Cautious, you know? cautious optimism. Yes, mm-hmm. which we don't have. <laughs> we should. We're kind of used to it with the Sixers, though, aren't we? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But next year we'll be better. Good stuff, Dude, You can stay oh, right there. Uh, great stuff. Big round of applause for these guys. They went 19 minutes over. Oh no! Sorry. The break. Uh, so that means I'm going to cut down. Uh, all of my notes into about 90 seconds to two minutes. Um, but I do want to thank everybody for coming out uh, for uh, the announcement of the Jacob postgame show. Um, again, um, just so everybody does not forget when you leave here today, Philadelphia's next media star, Devin Caney. Get your picture today. The architect of talk radio in Philadelphia, Mike Missinelli. Glad to have Michael here. The number one football analyst in the country, wow. Seth Joyner. And then my brother from a different mother, uh, the number one Eagles reporter in town, D. Gunn, Derek Gunn. So we will be live with the Jacob Post Game Show every week as soon as the game ends. 
Um, as Bernie mentioned, we'll be on 6abc.com and we'll be live from Ocean Casino Resort inside the beautiful gallery uh, every week. Um, to Bernie's point uh, on numbers, on July 19th of 2023, one year from today, I can say with an unconditional guarantee, when I come back to the studio, come back to here, this team will have delivered 250 million minutes of consumption of Eagles content. They will talk and speak directly to every Eagles fan in this city. That's a fact. So I'm excited to have everybody uh, on board and I'm excited for everybody to be part of uh, what's going to be a dynamic year uh, for Jacob Media. Uh, two things um, that I want to shout out. And I want you to know, so the people that don't or do not know me, Jacob Media is now in its 10th year of existence. We do 88 hours of live programming a week on YouTube, and we do another 17 hours of non-sports programming on a weekly basis. So we're producing over 100 hours of live content every week. So I just want you to understand how I made it to this point. A lot of people in the room I know. There's two people in here that I want to shout out. I can shout out everybody. There's two I want to shout out. And they're both attorneys, so we're well protected. Um, one attorney has been a Jacob Media supporter from the very beginning, Sam Pond. Sam, appreciate it. Thank you very much. And then one other attorney, the most powerful litigator in Philadelphia, George Paquetto. George, appreciate you, brother. I'm the old radio dog, so I don't know anything about metrics, but the architect behind the numbers, the gentleman who fuels Jacob Media's power, is Xander Krause. That's it. By the way, he's not my son when we're working. All right? But that's the architect. So, uh, again, I appreciate it. I want to introduce my partner on this process and give him an opportunity uh, to speak. I know Jimmy Brown can get long-winded. <laughs> and anybody in here that knows that Jimmy Brown can get long-winded, if he starts to get long-winded, give him the rap sign. All right, Jimmy Brown, come on up, bro. I'm going to be really quick. He said 90 seconds to two minutes. Sam, you're going to represent me in the legal case. George, you've got problems. He went over two minutes. I'm going to be really quick, guys. Uh, I believe that life is about relationships. You just heard um, Seth talk about the fact that um, uh, people follow leaders in life. Just my humble opinion, there's not a knucklehead in the room because Joe and I were very righteous about who we were going to put in the room here this afternoon. Um, I can't thank this room enough for the support they provided the last couple of years. Uh, I have to recognize Bernie. I mean, Bernie and I started in this crazy broadcast business, I don't want to tell you how many years ago, a long time ago, and uh, 
His integrity has always been impeccable. You can count on him, at least I can count on him, to do the right thing. I believe this group up here is of the same caliber. I met Derek Gunn a couple years ago on a spiritual show that Joe and I happened to do. His wife's a pastor, if you don't know this. There's so much goodness in this room, okay? This is a David and Goliath fight that we're taking on. We're going to go up against Comcast, okay? Comcast has a show, Sportsnet. We could use all the help we have. I'm not going to stand up here and say, Joe and Jimmy Brown are going to make this happen. We're going to make this happen. Deuces, that, that little exchange that you just did, look, this is what's going to happen. Our relationship, Jesus, that is, is going to prosper and grow with 6ABC. Thank you very much for being here. I was shorter than Joe, Sam, so if George gives you any static, you understand, right? You got my back. We're done. We have time for two questions on Eagles, if anybody wants them. If not, uh, we'll wrap it up. Anybody? Question? Come on, there's Eagle fans here, right? I want to ask Seth about Seth Joyner, but, or uh, about Carson Wentz, but I'm not going to do that because he's bigger than me. We'll talk about that later. Come on, somebody's got a question. Here we go, Jack. Jack. Uh, is there one more defensive move to be made before the season starts? You guys have thoughts on that? Hmm, interesting. Um, in the secondary, I, I can see him if a viable safety or another corner props, you know, crops up, especially the safety position. I think they're not, they're inexperienced at safety. Um, that's the area that I keep my eye on. Your back beat up. <laughs> Don't you wish. <laughs> Howie Roseman never sleeps. Um, the wheels are always spinning. Um, he will go through training camp, and they will evaluate. They will look at talent that is deleted from other teams. And if they determine that they need to add a piece, you can bet one thing, Howie Roseman will find a way financially to add that piece. Good stuff. We good? The, the culture of the Eagles locker room, or Nick Sirianni, I really should say, you know, in a brief description, how would you describe the culture of the Eagles? You know, I'm, I'm not close enough to it to really, you know, to really say. But you know, when that team was when that team was you know two and five last year, it, was, it would have been really easy for them to just like lay down like the dogs and just be done. Um, it, it, it really speaks to you know his level of buy-in by those players um, that they were able to turn it around the second half of the season. And, um, you know, I, I just – I give him credit for being able to do that. You know, and, and you know, he, in my opinion, he was, he was up against it. I think that, that entire staff last year was up against it. I think Nick Sirianni was learning how to be a head coach on the fly because he had never been a head coach before. I believe that, you know, um, Jonathan Gannon was learning how to be a defensive coordinator because he had never called defensive plays before. Same thing with the special teams coach. Um, the question will be this year, you know, it won't be culture because I think the culture is set. The question will be, um, you know, as we look at how Jalen Hurts progresses, let's look at how Nick Sirianni and Jonathan Gannon and the special teams coach and the quarterback coach who is now going to Shane Steichen, who's going to be calling the plays now. Let's see how those guys progress um, because sometimes it's, it's, it's bigger than just the players. The players do what they do. They can. They're only. They. They're like pawns on a on a chessboard. 
or pieces on the chessboard. The only thing they can do is be moved, you know. Um, a lot of times, you know, the guy that's moving the pieces, you know, he's got to make the right decisions. And he's got to, you know, and he's got to grow. And I think this I think this coaching staff, you know, is still growing. I think that, you know, they learned a lot last year. They were able to pivot the second half of the season. But I still think that, you know, there's nothing like experience at any position, at anything that you do. The more you do it, the better you get at it. All right. Good stuff, everybody. Again, just to wrap up, thanks, everybody. Welcome uh, to the Jacob postgame show. So we're really excited about it. Um, last thing I want to thank, uh, take a quick moment. I want to thank Bernie Prezenica, the general manager here at Channel 6. I want to... Uh, I, want to, I want to thank John Morris, Mike Monsell, and the entire uh, crew here at 6ABC who helped put all of this together and then pulled into duty uh, five hours before he goes live. <laughs> Deuces Rogers, how about it? All right, Deuces. I, I could talk ego for these, with, with these four any day of the week. No that's, doubt. Not, that's not work at all. I got a show for you on YouTube, though. <laughs> Uh, last thing before we say goodbye, my unconditional guarantee to anyone in the room that is interested in partnering with the Jacob Post Game Show, we will not stop. We will not stop until we've exceeded your highest expectation and your highest return. I want to be really clear on that. I am not in a position to do transactional business. I don't want it. But if there's a, a, a reason or a method or a why for you to get involved with the Jacob Post Game Show, just know that should you do it, you're in it and we're in it with you. All right? I want to thank everybody for coming out. See you next time, everybody. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.